Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Deep Dive. I'm Shane. I'm Amy. And this week we are talking about Lent, not the stuff in your pocket, but that season in the church year. We're going to get into it. Stay with us. Before we dive into this week's episode, we just want to let you know that we are taking your questions to answer in future episodes. So if you have questions about subjects we covered, questions about life, anything having to do with the pod, even the most mundane and silly questions, send them to us at questions at deepdivepod.org. Uh, the notes are there on the screen, but they're also in the show notes to questions at deepdivepod.org. Now let's get on with the show. So we are coming up on the season of Lent. Yes, we are. So uh, happens every year. The mm -hmm. wonderful rhythm of the liturgical calendar. It's the forty days, not counting Christmases. That's the big thing. It took so, me. Or what did I say? Christmases. Sundays. Good grief. <laughs> All those Christmases. Yeah, it's too much. Out. Too much Christmas talk is what's going on. Um, and yeah, so not counting the Sundays, mm -hmm. you got that. Thanks for holding me straight on that. Because yeah, if you absolutely. didn't say that, I just would have went forward to Christmas. No so clue. many Christmases. Yeah. Um, so the 40 days leading uh, this season of preparation, all those things. I don't know about you. I have a complicated relationship with Lynn. And I was okay. curious about you. What's your orientation? What's your relationship with Lynn? Are you, do you dig it? Do you fear it? Is it in the realm of, eh? I go back and forth. Okay. Actually, I think depending upon the year, sometimes I get very into it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I start out with all of these practices oh, that yeah. we're going to do at sure. home and we're going to hold to this. Yeah. And then I don't know if it's I, I kind of lean on. Well, maybe it's because I work at a church. And so I just really don't have time to hold on to those things. But yeah, I feel yeah. like that's probably an excuse more than anything else. But I go into it with these intentions, mm -hmm. not so much. And we'll probably talk about this, but not so much things necessarily that I'll give up during the season, but mm -hmm. maybe some things that we can pick up. Yeah. Um, during, yeah. That's a good way to yeah. say it. Yeah. I, I've always wondered, like to me, Lent almost has always seemed to me almost like taking on a new like workout plan. Yes. You know, absolutely. or like, or in the category of, uh, I know we've talked about for about new year's resolutions. Yep. It, in some ways it feels like that with me like, and I've done in the past, I've had very successful where I've done crazy workout plans and actually succeeded at them. Mm -hmm. But generally these things are very difficult. Yeah. And so, I've had, I didn't grow up in a liturgical tradition. Okay. So me coming into Lent was a little later occurrence. And so I would say I have a complicated relationship with mm -hmm. Lent. Love the idea, mm -hmm. love thinking about it, even the big planning part. Mm -hmm. But what I, I always wonder is like, what would it feel like to get through Lent and be like, man, I knocked this Killed Lent. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a feeling anyone's ever had. No. Uh, yeah. I don't but, even know. It's in the spirit of the yeah, season. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. That's probably a false goal right from the beginning. I should put that out of my mind. <laughs> um, but the reason we wanted to talk about it this week on Deep Dive is because our suspicion is our experiences mm -hmm. are probably pretty common with mm -hmm. people to have a complicated relationship with mm -hmm. Lent and, uh, and and even have a, an outright disdain for Lent. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on that disdain for Lent. Have you ever felt that at times? I, well, it can be, you know can be a downer. Yeah, it definitely can. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. And that, and that's hard when, you know, for us, we're making preparations for Easter mm -hmm. the entire time. So Absolutely. it's hard for me, at least, to kind of walk that path when we have to be so focused on Easter and what comes after yeah. that. Yeah. And it's a little sort of inside church baseball here. We plan things like so far yeah. in advance that we're talking, we're talking about like Lent and the Holy Week and Easter, or we're talking about that in like fall. Yes. So like when you work in a church, you always feel like you're 
out of sync with time, despite the rhythm of the liturgical year. I think for those of us, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, one of the complications of Lent is it happens in this time of year that's just not great weather. Yes. It has been raining in Nashville for, I don't know, like two years now, just this year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we still days to go. My backyard every morning, I look out and it's flooded and I get home at night and it's not. It recedes. But it's just, you know, this daily ebb and flow because it's just... Dreary, dreary and like not cold enough to be miserable, but not warm enough to be like, yeah, I can deal with the rain. It's yeah. a perfect, like annoying temperature. A- absolutely. Yeah. And then the other side of Lent, when we get closer to Easter, you know, this year it's in April. Mm-hmm. So flowers are going to start blooming and mm-hmm. it's going to, you know, be getting kind of that Eastery feel even mm-hmm. before we arrive there just with the weather. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think it would be important to put it that like to insert in this conversation at this point is I think a lot of these factors combine because, uh, frankly, this is a time of year where people are going to struggle with mental health uh, more. Yeah. And and it's, you know, it could be exposure to daylight, it could be cold, a lot of factors. It's just there's not, maybe there's not a lot going on, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, whatever. I, everyone has different reasons, but for some reason this seems to be a time of year where people struggle with mental health. Mm-hmm. And to that extent, often the themes of Lent Mm-hmm. don't seem to line up with getting someone out of that. It seems like it might initially feel like something, oh, that's the last thing I want to right. do. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a good point. So what are kind of the themes that you see as kind of the main points during the season of Lent? Uh, to me, I, I've had a bit of a, um, I've had to have a little bit of a change of heart about okay. the season. And it, it relates back to what you were talking about with, um, you know, one of the thing, one of the practices with Lynn is often you give something up. Yes. Okay. So uh, to me, I think part of my journey of faith is realizing, um, realizing that Christianity is not asceticism, mm-hmm. meaning the, the purpose of giving something up for Lent is not just to torture oneself. Sure you know, give up chocolate, yeah. give it, you know, just to be like, oh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not an endurance trial for an endurance trial sake mm-hmm. or, or, or intentionally self-given mis- misery. It's not. And so I, in some way, way I, I really view Christianity through, this is going to sound strange to the eyes of hedonism. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So, so it sounds crazy. Do tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. I, I, um, I know the, it, the, the conservative author, John Piper has said this mm-hmm. before. That's a common thing. Some people have said, but uh, so to relate this back to particularly a reform tradition, and in our case, a Presbyterian tradition is we talk about, you know, what's the point of humanity. The chief mm-hmm. end of humanity mm-hmm. is to glorify mm-hmm. God and enjoy God mm-hmm. forever. And so that's, says to me that the root of all these things is joy. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I've had to reframe Lent, not necessarily as this, um, uh, the doldrums or the solemnity or this, like, honestly, this self guilt ridden introspection. I've had to reframe it more, um, as clearing out the stuff that's getting in the way of joy. And, I think that's, I think that's always honest. That's always been the theme of Lent, but for some reason we don't 
learn it like that because I think uh, maybe it's just because it's easy to give the, to remember the giving up part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So interestingly, you are not quite, you're not quite here yet mm-hmm. last year. Um, but our theme for Lent was cultivating and mm-hmm. letting go. Mm-hmm. So we talked about, and not even giving up, but that letting go mm-hmm. so that it's an active kind of thing. So it's it's decisive and you continue to make those yeah. decisions throughout the season, but you let go of the things that are not life-giving to you yeah. so that you have more room for those things that do bring you joy and the realization of God's presence and love in your life and in the world. Yeah. Um, some of the language that used to come to mind for me was like the language of crucible, mm-hmm. you know, this, you know, to, to metallurgy, it's, you mm-hmm. know, the pot that melts metal and purifies it. Okay. Objectively, that's true, but it, it the imagery doesn't quite work for us anymore. I, I tend to think of it, as I mentioned earlier now, as almost like a a season of taking on a new exercise practice. And so that's actually a practice I've done before is it just said like, although it might not seem overtly spiritual mm-hmm. to me, it does because it's, you know, it's self-disciplining. It's, it's adding something as opposed to just denying myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I tend to think of it a little more in that way because the process of, yeah, like giving up is in order to create space or something because we don't have unlimited capacity to hold no. on to everything. <laughs> and that, and I think that's one of the, it, that might be the big lesson of Lynn is understanding one's limits mm-hmm. and understanding what's getting in the way of, of, of finding joy. So I love that, that idea of, you know, picking up some kind of exercise practice during Lent, actually, because you could even extend that. I'm sure this is where you are going with that too, but I mean, we, we were created. I mean, we are beings, mm-hmm. we are humans who have mm-hmm. bodies and to be able to respect those and care for them is important. We are taking your questions to answer in future episodes. Send them to us at questions at deep yeah, I, I think of it. There's this uh, there's a quote from uh, Pope Francis that's talked about Lynn, and he says the meaning of Lynn is better understood in light of the Exodus and the Israelites. We mm-hmm. often associate Lynn with the, um, you know, the 40, 40 days, days in the wilderness of Jesus. But in, in and some of the same themes are there. But I, I really get what he's saying here, because you have to understand from an Israelite perspective. And this is boy, this is singed in my memory because of recent travels. They're coming from. The Nile, which is a fertile place. I mean, it, it, it was a, yes, they were in slavery, but was it was a place that where food wasn't lacking, except obviously in droughts and these uh, horrific times. But it, if you've ever been there, it's just this wonderful, amazing area where you can control the river. It's seasonless. It is seasonless farming, hmm. uh, you, you know, so you can farm every day of the year, you, you know, and, um, and so they're, they're leaving that. And, and, that's I think that's a part of the story we miss because particularly as Americans, because we're so coded to understand slavery and liberation within our own mm-hmm. story here um, and not to minimize the horrificness of sure. I- Israelite slavery. But there was also they they were giving something up. Mm-hmm. They were giving up the certainty of they had a life there. They had their own homes despite being slaves. Mm-hmm. They groaned for their own land promise to them. And so they had to give up that safety and certainty, even though it was terrible safety and certainty, they still had to give it up and go through this, you know, this wilderness purification. But it, it was always with, and to use the term from sports, the, the eye on the prize, you know, <laughs> the eye on the prize of this, of this promised land. 
you know, and so that was so striking to me about my journey is going from this place with the Nile that when you were near the Nile, it was so lush and beautiful. And um, just the soil was this incredibly dark, rich soil that you could you know, just grow anything in it. Mm. And then you leave that and you step, I, I kid you not, like a mile away from the Nile and it just becomes barren. And so we we followed the journey of them over into Sinai, over Aqaba, up into Jordan, all these things. And through all those things, it's not like it gets much better. But then when you get to that Jordan River Valley where they finally cross over, you see this stark difference. And so it put into light me what they gave up in, in this crazy period of time where they had so really little uh, and relied just upon God in order for this promise of something else. And so that's helpful for me to remind that it's like it, going through this difficult time is to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's not just to go out in the wilderness and suffer because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that's a really interesting framing of that because we read that they at times want to go back. Yes, right? absolutely. You, you've like alluded yeah. to that a little yeah, bit, yeah, but they, yeah. they want to go back. And yeah. I think we read that without that kind of context yeah. and yeah. think, what? Why, why would they go back? Why, why would, they go why back? would yeah. you do that? Yeah. Um, so that's really helpful. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure some of them probably had do the statues, statue, you know, their status and culture and probably who they worked with on a daily basis probably had pretty good lives. They were still slaves. They were still captive. They didn't have the land promised to them. Mm -hmm. um, but for some of them, they probably had a pretty reliable, fairly safe life. And they, yeah, it's understandable yeah. being in Sinai. It is understandable why they would want to go back to Egypt. So I wonder uh, if, if that, if that kind of line of thinking could be carried into our own Lent too, that, that idea of going back. So say you were trying to pick something up or you're trying to let go of something or, you know, however you want to frame that, that idea of, well, not even the idea, but perhaps the feeling like, do I really need to be doing this? You know? Yeah. I think what's interesting is you don't really, you don't, you often don't get that feeling that you want to go back until you've taken the first step on the journey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, there was this Joan Chittister uh, quote I read. It says, Lent is a call to renew a commitment grown dull, perhaps by a life more marked by routine than by reflections. Mm. And it it strikes me, and I, I am aware of this, <laughs> that how much my life is dictated on the routine I'm in. Because we put our lives in that autopilot. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to do every day. Mm. Uh, and then we go through it. And then if we don't examine that, uh, and and if we, you know, as we start examining that, we might realize we are both doing things and we are people that we don't necessarily want to be. But yet again, when we first take that step, it is really uncomfortable um, and we want to go back. I think that's really, that's kind of the subversive nature of Lent. And, and I think that's part of the point. It's just, it's upsetting those routines. Mm -hmm. And we don't have a lot of built-in opportunities for that really during the year. We've brought up already New Year's, you know, mm -hmm. people kind of mark that as a time. But you're coming off of Christmas at that point. Yeah. I mean, when it's been, you know feasting and parties that, you know, all of these kinds of big celebrations. So that, that almost is an even harder kind of break, I think, you know, yeah. to try to go from that into everything's going to be different now. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, you know, cause I, my experience of Lent is not everything necessarily has to be different. It would be great if everything was transformed, mm -hmm. but if, if your intention and you're re reflective on maybe one or two 
parts of your life, then maybe you can make a little headway yeah. during the season. Yeah, to borrow from other, you know, religious traditions, what is it? A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single <laughs> well, step. Yes. You know, I, <laughs> I think that's that's an important thing to remind ourselves of because it's 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 definitely just like like you're saying with New Year's resolutions to try to like get the whole thing done. It's the whole package. Yeah. <laughs> and and maybe part of Lent this year is like to give yourself permission to like to to try to imagine, use your imagination, your holy imagination to see what could be possible for you and then take the small step in doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, if we were putting this in therapy terms, this is like doing, you know, solution focused therapy on Mm -hmm. yourself. Who do you think God's calling yourself to be? If a miracle happened tomorrow and you were who God wanted you to be, and then you would reverse think that and say, okay, what are the steps I would take to get mm-hmm. to that? And I, you know, that's a very worthy challenge mm-hmm. uh, here. Um, it also makes me think a little bit about, I think there's something at play there in the idea of um, our intuition and our routines. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw this Thomas Keating quote as well. I thought was great. It said, Lent is a time to renew wherever we are in that process that I call the divine therapy. It's a time to look at what our instinctual needs are to look at what the dynamics of our unconscious are. Mm. And what it made me think of is this is, this is a little nerdy, but it's uh, the work of, um, the author Jonathan Hyde, who teaches at UVA and his mm-hmm. moral foundations theory. And, you know, his theory is so much of our moral foundations, our sense of moral compass actually functions not at a conscious level, but almost this unconscious intuition level. Mm-hmm. And so we can find ourselves years and years later having all these strong intuitions uh, that that just react so fast mm-hmm. to things morally that might not be the things that we say with our mouths we believe. And I think Lent is a time to look at that sort of like subconscious unconscious self, that intuition, and to say, you know, am I responding to the homeless person? Am I responding to the person I disagree with politically? Am I responding to a person from a marginalized community? Am I looking at my, at my own privilege in these ways? And to be able to look at that and start doing that deep work of, you know, w- working on those things that are, are frankly hard to work on. I mean, th- not to bust the bubble of possible success here, but mm-hmm. Jonathan Haidt describes this as like a rider on that elephant, mm-hmm. that the intuition is the elephant where the rider. So we can do our best to try to still steer that elephant, <laughs> but that elephant's going to go where it's going to go. Uh, but it's still on us to try to work on that process to change maybe the orientation of that elephant, that elephant over time. So I think we are so driven as a culture by success and feeling mm-hmm. like, well, what does success look like yeah. during the season of Lent? And I think that really points to, you know, yeah. they, these may be small. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are important, but yeah. they may feel small. Yeah, I would I would suggest I, I, I think it'd be nice to go into sort of like frankly, kind of our advice a little bit. Now, granted, this is really personalized. You're going to have to know your own personality and what you think work, what you need to work on. But uh, one of the things I think is interesting, as we talked about right back at the very beginning, it's 40 days of preparation minus Sundays. Got Got Sundays that time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Maybe one place to start is to like understand that Sundays are meant to be a break Mm. in that. And it's Mm -hmm. always meant to be that but especially in Lent it's really supposed to be these celebrations yeah there are many Easter's many Easter's leading up to <laughs> and so maybe maybe some of it is it is this Lent you just focus on being more present in worship 
being more present in the mood of celebration and worship. That's a way you can add something that I think is, is subtle, but by the time you get to Easter, I think it could make a pretty big difference in your life because you're ready to celebrate in this new way. And I would add on to that. I think they go really perfectly together is experiencing Lent within community, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, To be able to walk that path with other people so that it's not a, a lonely kind of thing so that it's not isolating, mm-hmm. but we are doing this as a community together and we can support one another through whatever those kind of Lenten goals might be. Yeah. Um, I would say, and this is, this is very specific to me. I think I respond better to things um, based on what I want to do as opposed to what I don't want to do. Sure. Well, <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that's just, um, and so for me, I think it's, it's easier for me to focus, frankly, on what to add mm-hmm. than it is to, mm-hmm. to what mm-hmm. to give up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if, and if, and if with joy along adding something leads me to something get, to give up, mm-hmm. God bless. Right. But for me personally, I'm going to focus more on like, that's why I think the, the, the image of exercise works so well for mm-hmm. me. It's the something I'm going to add, which is frankly for us here specifically at Hillsboro Presbyterian, that's a theme we're going to be picking up on in mm-hmm. our sermon series. It's just called spiritual boot camp. And we don't mean boot camp in a military militaristic sense. Right. We more mean mm-hmm. it like boot camp of like, you know, people that there's like baby boot camp for people that, yes. uh, you know, women that just had children and want to want to, you know, beat themselves back into shape or whatever. <laughs> there's all sorts of different boot camps one can choose and as exercise routines now. And I think that that's sort of the thing we're playing on. Mm-hmm. And to that extent, we're actually going to be putting out interesting sort of like spirituality exercises and, and, and stations that people can use on Sundays and hopefully take home. Um, but it, that's why I, I think that's why that that theme in particular is appealing to me, because it just works better for me to add than subtract. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think yeah. that's true for me as well. <laughs> oh, okay. I will say the one thing that I've had some success with mm-hmm. <laughs> in the past has been cleaning out my house, like oh, yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. actual house yeah, um, yeah. during Lent and kind of choosing, yeah, yeah. you know, it starts off with 40 different locations in your house. You can go online and like search for this and it'll give you 40 areas of your house to clean out during Lent. Mm-hmm. That's difficult. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard of people doing a challenge where they give something away yes. of theirs every day in yep. Lent, which yeah. is, so, I mean, I could, I could definitely do that. So <laughs> I'm not saying I'm signing up for that now, but I can <laughs> definitely do that. That's what this is part of. So it's either yeah, yeah. stuff that really you should have thrown away already because yeah, it yeah. doesn't have value for anyone yeah. or you look at what you have that you can give and yeah. bring joy to somebody else with. Yeah. I think uh, the question I wanted to ask you is we, we talk about Lynn as a preparation for Easter. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, what, what does that mean to you to be prepared mm-hmm. for Easter? That's a great question. So I, I think that it is uh, like an openness, honestly, um, that making room that we've talked about already, but you know, the Easter story, no matter which gospel we read from, mm-hmm. um, it is a familiar story to most people who are attending church, even if it's just that one yeah. Sunday a year that they hear yep. um, on Easter. And it is really difficult to try to hear that with fresh ears. And yeah. I know often we say that on Easter and Christmas, you know, listen with fresh ears today. But, you know, I, I my hope would be that those practices that we do during the season mm-hmm. could leave us open um, on Easter to experience that story in as fresh a way as possible for folks who have 
you know, heard this so yeah. many times. Yeah. That's a real challenge. Yes. Uh, I think that's why I end up being so fond of the, of Mark's gospel and particularly mm-hmm. the original ending of Mark's gospel instead of that. It's, they just, they, they, just... they see the empty tune and they leave in fear yes. and it, and it's this really jarring ending. Yes, it is. Um, in, in regards to being prepared for Easter, I think, I think some of it to me is understanding that like, for me, my mind first jumps to, oh, it's me getting ready. Mm, interesting. You know, it's me. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like me. It's like preparing your house for guests. We're yeah. having guests this weekend. So I know at some point this night we're you know, this tonight or later this week, we're going to have to clean up our house. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also reminding that, like, it is God preparing you. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not you preparing yourself, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these adding things or if we're giving something up, it's it's more like you were saying, it's creating an openness for mm-hmm. God to work. Yes. Um, because, it, you know, we just need to realize, as try as I might, I'm not going to be able to generate that sort of grace and peace and understanding among myself. That has to be a God thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, it's a reminder of, like, just putting myself in an open place where God will do that for me. Yes, absolutely. I think it's an important thing to note that this is also a season, as we alluded to earlier, because of mental health. It's just it, it's it's important to keep your mind looking at itself and understanding where you are mm-hmm. um, to understand what you feel like you're able to endure or mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important, particularly if someone is is struggling right now with mental health um, to, you know, to keep an eye to that, to be able to say, all right, I'm, I, I'm, you know, all I'm going to do is just focus on doing, you know, I, I'm not in a place to do something super introspective because I, I worry it's sure. going to veer me towards guilt. But what I think I can do is I'm going to focus every day on trying to maybe connect with someone to bring a little joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe that's a better uh, approach for someone that's particularly struggling with a, a mental health issue right now. Because, you know, the last thing I, I don't think God is wanting to prepare us for Easter by, you know, sending us down a spiral oh, of anxiety. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And that's, I think that's, that's always a complicated question. I know we've had those discussions here about, particularly about Good Friday is how do we handle that? Because it, it's a anxious time here mm-hmm. in the United States and it's, yeah, it's difficult. Absolutely. And I, I would point again within, within that conversation to community um, and not walking the path of Lent alone, um, but being able to have conversations and, you know, the being able to lean on other people during the season is important. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great reminder. That's why we're, we're here. We're trying to add some extra things mm-hmm. ourselves for mm-hmm. Lent as a community. One of those is launching a new small group mm-hmm. uh, to study the book uh, soul feast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also encouraging our leadership in the church to host simple dinner parties where people can go and connect in just sort of a simple way um, just to add a little extra dose of community in the mm-hmm. season. So that I, you know, it, maybe it's helpful for us to think of those things as our Lenten practices. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It wouldn't be, it doesn't seem complete, Amy. Okay. If we would talk about, you and I would talk about Lent, and we didn't bring our dear friend Frederick Beekner into this. Yay! So, so I, I ran across this this uh, article he wrote, and it, it was from a, a book or a series of essays of his called Whist- Whistling in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And it, it's his thoughts on Lent. And Beekner has this wonderful way of 
phrasing things in a way that will jar you because mm-hmm. he just doesn't use the language you're accustomed to learning. And I think, uh, and, and we will put links to all these different quotes, but in particular, we will, I want you to highlight this one because I think this one actually, there's a series of questions okay. he asks in it that I think might be guiding questions for us during Lynn. And so I'll, I'll, I'll just set it up. Here's what he writes at the beginning. He says, in many cultures, there is an ancient custom of giving a tenth of each year's income to some holy use. For Christians, to observe the 40 days of Lent is to do the same thing with roughly a tenth of each year's days. After being baptized by John in the river, Jesus went off alone into the wilderness where he spent 40 days asking himself the question, what it meant to be Jesus. During Lent, Christians are supposed to ask one way or another what it means to be themselves. Mm. And that's, that's a great setup, particularly coming off this uh, New Year's St. Promises sermon mm-hmm. series, because we've been talking a lot about what does it mean to be fully human. And that question's going to continue into Lent. And so here's the questions Beekner suggests we ask in this. It says, if you had to bet everything you have on whether there is a God or whether there isn't, which side would get your money and why? Okay. Reckoning with that question. Right off the bat. Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) All right. Here's number two. When you look at your face in the mirror, what do you see in it that you most like? And what do you see in it that you most deplore? Yikes. Yeah. Number three, if you had only one last message to leave to a handful of people who are most important to you, what would it be in 25 words or less? Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Of all the things you've done in your life, which is the one you would most like to undo? And which is the one that makes you happiest to remember? Number five, is there any person in the world or any cause that if circumstances called for it, you'd be willing to die for it? And number six, if this were the last day of your life, what would you do with it? Okay, so not... Not really the easiest questions no, to answer, but they're, they're provocative. Yeah, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, he goes on to say, to hear yourself try to answer questions like these is to begin to hear something not only of who you are, but of both what you are becoming and what you are failing to become. Hmm. It can be a pretty depressing business all in all, but if sackcloth, sackcloth and ashes are the start of it, something like Easter may be in the end. Uh, so he he totally realizes there that, Asking these type of questions yourself can be a depressing affair, mm-hmm. um, but those questions are before us. I, I, I think for me, I, I'm going to try to look at some of those this lit. Uh, you know what I think is interesting is I was hearing those. Those are all questions that you could answer very differently at really different times of the day even, but certainly different seasons of your life and things that you're going through. I mean, that is a set of questions that honestly you could come back to and have completely different answers. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not definitive once for all questions. It's like the eternal questions one always wrestles with. Yeah. We have come to the time of our show where we like to make recommendations about things we think you would love diving into, things that might give you a little joy, things that uh, you might just love because we'd love them. So, Amy, how about you go? Yeah. So this is one I think actually maybe on like 
the very first episode. I don't even know if it like got posted anywhere. Yeah, I think we have somehow lost the first episode, and I'm going to put lost in air quotes. <laughs> I know. I can't imagine why. Um, so I have an app on my phone that's called the Calm, C-A-L-M. It's hard for me to enunciate that. The Calm. I've heard them advertise before because they always say visit us at calm.com. And I was calm. like, that's, that's, a, that's a mess. It, yeah. It's hard to say, but calm.com, yeah. I mean, it has a, a ton of med- meditation um, stuff on there, but it also has just some really nice background music. So if mm-hmm. you were doing some of this kind of introspective mm-hmm. thinking, um, it, it could be helpful. And then also they have just beautiful scenes from around the world with music overlaid on there. So it's kind of that contemplative sort of feel. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend that. Um, I have been reading a book, and this is going to be my recommendation. It's a book called Finite and Infinite Games by James P. Carse. I think it's Carse, not Carse. He's a professor emeritus of history, literature, and religion at NYU. And um, basically, I'll I'll summarize very quickly. It's finite games are games that you play in order to win them. Uh, Infinite games, the goal of the game is simply to keep playing. So finite games, you play within established rules in order to try to win. Infinite games, you actually play with the rules themselves in order to keep the game going. Now, he's not talking about actual games here. Mm -hmm. He's talking about the systems we live in. And so to make an example of it, he he says organizations and relationships get in trouble when when they're playing infinite games. You know, marriages, long-term business relationships, organizations and companies, um, they're obviously meant to survive and to continue continue going, but they get in trouble when they start using finite game tactics. Mm. And so uh, I think it's an interesting reminder. It's a very dense read, Um, but it is an interesting reminder. I think the simple takeaway is like the point is not to win Mm. because you could win. And in the process you have sabotaged the game. Mm. Um, And I think that's a really thing for us to remember both in interpersonal relationships. It's important thing to remember in church, because if you've ever been in a church situation, that's turned toxic. It often turns toxic because we can lie to ourselves and feel that if I just get this one thing, right, if I get this one thing, my way that I think is God's way, everything would be okay. And that's worked out exactly zero times. Um, (laughs) And so you know, the point really is how do we encourage each other to be generous game players? And I I think that's really interesting. The final thing I'll recommend is the television show, Brooklyn nine, nine. So, (laughs) so it seems crazy, but I, I've recommended the good place on here before, Uh but there, there is, uh, Parks and Recs, uh, The Good Place, and Brooklyn Nine Nine, all created. A lot of recommendations. All created, <laughs> all created by Michael Schur, who played Moe's on The Office. He was also a writer on The Office. But um, I saw someone on Twitter yesterday say they they actually consider those three the same show, and I'm kind of in that camp as well because they are. A diverse cast. They're hilarious. Um, it, it's about human dignity and generosity with one another. And what's so unique about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it takes place in a police precinct. Mm. It, it's not really the place in our climate we necessarily think of generosity and humor, mm-hmm. but it is hilarious and wonderful. And uh, it's had a neat story in recent years because it used to be on Fox, got canceled a year ago, and it had this enormous online following and NBC picked oh. it up. Oh, it was one of those where there was an outcry. Yeah. There was, yeah. And they didn't realize it at first because it's hard to 
know who's watching things online yeah. sometimes. Kind of like this podcast. We just, mm-hmm. we don't know it, but there's, you know, 10,000 people in Austria that just love this. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all those uh, quotes and links to all these interesting things we talked about are down in the show notes, which are below here on YouTube or in the show notes if you're on a podcast app. Uh, we really thank you for joining us. Yeah. This has been an interesting discussion about an interesting issue. Anything you want to add here at the end about Lent or oh anything we talked about? It starts on February 26th. Oh, yeah. If you had 25 <laughs> words to sum it up, you're... No, oh, come on yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like us, subscribe us, do all those things. Share us with your friends if you found this valuable. We had a lot of fun talking with you, and we will see you next time on Deep Dive. Take care. Bye-bye.